Well, welcome to church. <clears throat> Happy New Year. Um, you made it to the first Sunday service of this whole year, so congratulations. Now, you've caught us at the beginning of a new series called The Dawn of Discipleship, where we're going to look through the Bible at various followers, various disciples of Jesus Christ. Last week, we heard about a guy called Peter, the famous disciple, maybe the class captain of disciples, a guy we met last week called Rocky, if you were here, um, and we met him. And tonight, we're going to meet three other disciples. If you have a followers of Jesus, one is going to be John the Baptist, which we heard about a little bit in our Christmas series. The next one is a guy called Andrew. And lastly, we're going to meet very quickly Philip, but then spend a lot of time on Nathaniel. So let's get stuck into these followers of Jesus. Now, they're not your traditional disciples of Jesus in one sense. John the Baptist was definitely somebody who believed in Jesus and wanted to follow him, but he wasn't a disciple per se. And also Andrew and Nathaniel, we meet at the very early stages of them following Jesus. So they haven't had that life-on-life time with Jesus yet. But even at the very beginning of their time with Jesus, we get little glimpses of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus from them. So let's look at each of these guys in turn. The first guy is John, and it's John the Baptist, and we read about him in verses 35 through to 37. So come with me to verse 35. The next day, John was there, John the Baptist, again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now we'll stop there, because John at the, at the outset is a guy who is interested in God's glory and not his own glory. He's interested in God's kingdom and not his own ministry. And he gives all the glory back to God. And that's the first marker we see of someone who follows Jesus, somebody who cares more about Jesus than themselves. And we see this because John the Baptist was a guy that we met in uh, Christmas time. All the way back, Jesus said to him, you are the greatest of all prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Isaiah, Jeremiah, the whole bunch of them. Why? Because all of those prophets in the Old Testament could only point forward to the Messiah coming. Could only say, there's a Messiah coming. He's going to do some great stuff. He's going to save us. He's going to judge the world. He's coming sooner or later, sometime. And he's going to be sort of like this. But John the Baptist was the one who could actually pretty much touch Jesus and say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the earth. He could actually tell us with clarity, with certainty, who that Savior was. But you know what Jesus says about John? He says, even though he was the greatest prophet of all time, the goat, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. You and me, the least in the kingdom of heaven, we're greater than John the Baptist. Why is that? Well, it's because while John could tell us that Jesus has come and he's going to save the world in these ways, he didn't live out to see exactly what Jesus did. And in fact, he was executed later on. But we live on this side of the cross, And we can tell people with absolute certainty who Jesus was, what he taught, the miracles he performed, how he died and how he rose again. And in that sense, we can point to Jesus even more clearly than the greatest of all time, John the Baptist. And so we are even greater than him. But you know what? I don't think John would have minded that at all because he wasn't there to build up his own ministry. He wasn't there to get a reputation for himself. He was all about pointing people to Jesus. In fact, in the passage just before what we just read, John the Baptist says, you know what? Here Jesus is. The one who comes after me has surpassed me because he was actually the one who was before me. He's actually the creator. And so he probably had a conversation with his disciples where he told the disciples, when this Jesus comes, the one that I'm pointing to comes, you leave me and you follow him. And that's exactly what just happened. You see, he said, look, the Lamb of God. 
and the two disciples who were with John at the time left John and just followed Jesus. No fuss, because that was John's ministry, to point people to Jesus, not to himself. So one of the markers of a follower of Jesus is people who worry, are concerned about Jesus' glory, not their own. Now, many years ago in my previous church, uh, we had a... Um, we worked with a parachurch organization, which was very good at evangelism. And uh, one of their key leaders came to my church, and it was fantastic. Caught up with him, it was a good time. And uh, at, at some point, I said to him, well, what, what do we drove his pleasure of you coming here? And he said, oh, I'm here to see my people. I said, your people? That's an interesting way to put it. Uh, they serve in your ministry, that's fantastic, but they're not really your people, are they? If anything, they're our people. They come from this church, and the local church is where it's at. The parachurch is supposed to support the local church. But then on another level, they weren't even even our church's people. They're God's people. It's always about the glory of Jesus, not about the glory of the institution. And it's a good reminder to me that as, as good work as we do, as hard as work we would do, it's always about Jesus, not us, not our church. Now, in the coming year at St. Andrews, there's going to be a lot of, lot of um, hardships and a lot of successes as well. And in fact, we've had some really great successes over the Christmas time, haven't we? With the carols in the park and with the kiddie farm and all the Christmas services, we've had lots of wins. But we need to be careful not just to think, oh, we are so fantastic. St. Andrews is such a great church. We always need to be working hard and thinking to give glory to God and not ourselves and our own ministries. Another good reminder is also that sometimes we come to church and we sort of think, well, church, well, I like church, but you know, it's not doing it for me. I would like to see changes. I'd like things to stay the same. Uh, you might have been at church now for six months. You've been here and you like this place. You want to stay. And you think, but there's all of these different things that aren't quite right. I want to change them so they better suit my demographic, maybe my gender, maybe my cultural history, maybe my age. I want church to change so it can serve me better. Or maybe you've been here for not six months, but for 60 years. And you think, I want things to stay exactly the same. Nothing changes. We like it exactly the way it is. Now, whoever you are, six months, 60 years, want change, don't want change, in 2020, St. Andrews is going to have a lot of things that will stay exactly the same and a lot of things that are going to change. And, in, and when we face these things that stay the same, will change, we've got to remember, it's not about us, what works for us, what makes us feel comfortable. It's about how we can actually glorify God together as a church, as a team, and bring his love to those around us. You see, John the Baptist was a follower of Jesus, who didn't care so much about his own comforts or his own glories, but he cared about Christ and his glory, and he worked hard towards that. And we can be people like that as well. Work hard for God's glory, not our own glory and our own comfort. Well, that's John the Baptist, the first guy. The second guy I meet is a guy called Andrew. And Andrew is a lovely guy who just keeps on bringing people to Christ. And we read about him in verses 38 to 42. So come with me to verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and I'll show you, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two that had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. 
Well, Andrew is a guy who brings people to Jesus. Now, Andrew was there with John, and Andrew was there with John the Baptist, but the other guy was most likely John, the writer of his book. And when John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God is here, those two went and followed Jesus. Now, they went and followed Jesus, and they spent the better part of a day with him, probably sometime in the morning until four o'clock. And by that time, Andrew had worked out, this is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been waiting for all through the Old Testament. And the very first thing Andrew did was run off to his, his brother, Simon, and said, Simon, you've got to see this guy. He's the guy in the Old Testament. He's actually the Messiah. And so Simon went along with him and actually met Jesus, and Jesus changed his name to Peter, who we met last week. The great Peter, the great apostle Peter, the great class captain of the disciples would never have met Jesus if Andrew didn't just go up to him and say, hey, come on, we found the guy. And Andrew brought people to Jesus. Andrew is a character who brings people to Jesus, and he does this through the rest of the Bible as well. Um, Later on, he brings a bunch of Greeks to come and meet Jesus. And more famously, he brings a boy with five loaves and two fish to Jesus, who then uses those things to feed thousands. Andrew would have had hundreds of conversations, no doubt, just bringing people to Jesus. Very simple, very low-key, just bringing people to Jesus. Now, a long time ago, um, about 25 years ago, I was at a 21st. Uh, it was one of my peers in Sunday school, and this guy's name was actually Andrew. Uh, and he was uh, one of my friends in Sunday school. We grew up together. It was really good. And at his 21st, his father, who happened to be the senior minister of a church, uh, gave his speech about his son. Now, of course, the standard, you know, father 21st speeches. Oh, my boy, he was just a little baby, and he grew up to be a young man, and now he's a, he's a fully grown man, and we're so proud of him, uh, all that sort of stuff. And he also said, we named him Andrew because we like the Andrew in the Bible. And we like the Andrew in the Bible because the Andrew in the Bible brings people to Jesus, just brings people to Jesus. And then out from the back of the room, his mother shouts out, you better start, son. <laughs> yeah, you better start, son, right? So this guy, 21 years old, and, he, and the, the mother was joking, of course, but on another level, it was kind of true as well. <laughs> because to her knowledge and to our knowledge, he hadn't actually brought people to Jesus in his 21 years. And it was kind of funny, but it was also kind of sad. Uh, he grew up in a Christian home. He's been at Sunday school since he was a baby. Um, he's had all this fantastic teaching, all this encouragement through youth group. And at 21, he hadn't brought anyone to Jesus yet. And that's not all his fault. Of course, the Holy Spirit works in his own way. But he, it didn't seem like he had a life of trying. And so it was all funny, but it was also sad at the same time. Contrast this with another friend. I have a couple of friends at old, my old church. Uh, one was a, a, a Chinese, mainland Chinese girl called Belinda. And she'd been coming to our church for about, say, two years or so. She wasn't a Christian, but she liked coming to church. And she just liked to hear about stuff. She was asking questions. And she was in my small group. And then one night, in the middle of a small group Bible study, she just starts shaking her head, going, oh, no, 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 no. And we said, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong, Belinda? And she said, you have got to take this and tell it to the people in China. And I thought, whoa, you know, that's a pretty big ask. And I was a bit shocked by this. And so I sort of said something stupid like, um, well, my Mandarin is rubbish and your Mandarin is perfect. Uh, you go take to tell this to people in China. <laughs> but that was it, right? Because she finally worked out, the Holy Spirit finally revealed it to her that this Jesus guy that we're doing in the Bible study is real. And her reaction was, I've got to go tell people about this. Yeah? There was another guy called Hachi. Uh, he's a Japanese uh, master's student at church. Um, Hachi's not his real name. Hachi just means eight. And to this day, I don't know why they called him eight. But Hachi came to church for a while and after one night at church, um, uh, he just came up and said, oh, you know, thanks for the sermon. Yeah, thank you. Praise God. Uh, and he said, you know, I've, and we start talking about all the stuff in the sermon. And after a while, I sort of said to him, well, what are you going to do when you graduate from master's? And he goes, well, 
uh, I don't know yet. And I said, are you going to stay in Sydney, find a job? And he says, no, no, I'm going back to Japan. I said, why? And he goes, I said, Japan's good, but why? Because I, I have to tell my countrymen what I've learned here at church. I have to tell my countrymen what I've learned here at church. He wasn't a Christian either, but obviously he had understood the word, the Holy Spirit had worked in his heart, and he was determined to go back. And that's exactly what he did when he finished his master's. Went back and told his countrymen. And that's the right response. Later on, he became a Christian. I had the joy of baptizing him as well. And now he's serving in some church in Japan. In fact, he, oh, he's actually just gone off to MIT and gone to study there, but he'll go back to Japan to keep on being a part of a church there. You see, how are we going to respond to knowing this Savior? Are we going to be like the Andrew in the Bible? Are we going to be like Belinda? Are we going to be like Hachi? Or are we going to be like my friend Andrew? You see, some of us, when we think about bringing people to Jesus, it sounds really, really scary. And I get it. It is really scary. I'm scared to do it. Um, but having said that, it's not as scary as you might think. You see, Andrew didn't do it from a soapbox. He didn't get up on some mountain and start yelling out to a thousand people about how great Jesus is. He just went off and brought his brother, Peter, to Jesus. It's quite simple. You know, and when, when we're passionate about something, it's really easy to talk about a topic, isn't it? We had a girl come to our church once, did a workshop on evangelism, because we're all pretty scared of it. And she said, you know, evangelism shouldn't be that hard for us because we're all passionate about stuff. We're passionate about our family. We're, some of us are passionate about our jobs. We're passionate about our hobbies. Uh, Anne and I love the West Wing. We've just finished the seventh series. I'm sorry, um, watching the, the series for about the fifth time in our life. Um, I'm really passionate about Top Gun because I'm an old dude. Uh, 30 years ago, I watched it. I thought, Top Gun's fantastic. And it's going to come out. The second one's going to come out in June. I'm really excited. And if you talk to me about Top Gun afterwards, I could probably recite for you the whole, the whole movie from front to back. Almost. I know that's very sad. But, um, because I'm just, I love that movie. And, now, this girl, Joanne, said, you know what? It should be like that, and it should be like that with Jesus, because Jesus is even more important than Top Gun or West Wing or even our jobs or our family. And she said, you know, we should be so full of it that if someone were to push us on our skin, if it was a substance, it should just ooze out of us. You know, just push your skin and it just oozes out of us. It should be like that. Now, right now, of course, we've had months of drought, we've had weeks of intense fire, and people are realizing that, you know what? Even in a first world country, with all the technology we can have, we can't control things in the world. We can't control fire, and we can't make rain. People have lost their properties. People have lost their livelihoods. People have lost their lives. And people are thinking about eternity. And people are thinking about the frailty of human beings. In this context, I'm not saying we exploit the tragedy of people to sort of sell a product called Christianity. But I am saying we're going to be in these conversations a lot in the next few weeks or months. And as we talk about this, instead of just talking about everything, every point of view except for the Christian point of view, let's just be open and honest and share our point of view. Let it just ooze out of us when these conversations occur. That's what Andrew was like. That's what Belinda wanted to be like, and that's what Hachi was like. Will we be like Andrew, the guy in the Bible, Belinda and Hachi, or will we be like Andrew, my friend, at the end of 2020? At the end of 2020, will we need somebody else in this church to say, you better start, son. All right, well, that's Andrew. The next guy we're going to meet is a guy called Nathaniel. And we'll talk quickly about Philip, but also we'll talk about Nathaniel. And he's a guy with lots of questions. And we meet him in verses 43 through to 51. It says this, verse 43. 
The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. When the fan, first thing we want to do is talk about Philip for a real short time. Notice here, Jesus actually goes and searches out for Philip and calls Philip to himself. Philip didn't actually go out there looking for Jesus. Jesus has found him and said, come, follow. Right? There's a whole topic in the Bible called election, which we're not going to do right now. But it's a whole different sermon. I'll talk to me about it afterwards or just wait for that sermon to come up. But all we need to see right now is sometimes God just says, hey, you, come, follow. And that's why I'm with Philip. But Philip worked out somehow, God, the Holy Spirit revealed it to him, that Jesus was actually the Messiah from the Old Testament. And the first thing he does is he goes and tells Nathaniel. He goes, Nathaniel, come, let's meet this guy. You know, he's, he's actually the one from the Old Testament. He's actually Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nathaniel is a WYSIWYG kind of a guy. Right? What you see is what you get kind of guy. He's a straight talker. He's a straight shooter. And so therefore, when, when um, Philip says, hey, come and meet this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, he says, oh, come on, you know, I've been to Jewish Sunday school. I know that the Messiah doesn't come from uh, Nazareth. He comes from Bethlehem. You know? And besides, can anything good come out of that rubbish town, uh, Nazareth? It'd be like one of the Roseville Public School kids saying, can anything good come out of Linfield Public School? You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of rivalry going on. That, that's a rubbish town. No way the Messiah could come from there. But Philip says, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you, Nathaniel. Just come. Just come and meet Jesus. And Nathaniel did. He went and met Jesus. And when he did, Jesus said, Look, this is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He didn't say Nathaniel was sinless. He just said he was honest. You see, Jesus could read his character. Jesus knew who he was. Now, it's a bit of a play on words here, isn't it? Because um, Jesus said, Look, he's an Israelite. Of course, Israel was a man who was Joseph, and he was a, he was a liar. You know, he lied to his father. He cheated his brother to get the inheritance, and his mother told him to run. But he's a, he's a guy from that nation that was started from this, this liar guy. But this guy, this Israelite, has no deceit. He's a straight shooter. He's a wizzy-wig kind of a guy. Now, Nathaniel was surprised. He goes, well, how do you know me? And Jesus says, well, you know what? I saw you under the fig tree before Philip came to get you. Now, fig trees is where usually a, a, a pious Israelite would go and read their, their scriptures, their Old Testament, and to spend some time praying. So Jesus is saying, I know what you did. I know what you're like. I know you, and I want you to follow me. And no doubt there was a bit of a conversation going on here, and in the end, this straight shooter Nathaniel changes his mind. He changes his mind. He was skeptical, he had questions about Jesus, but after he had these questions answered, he said, oh my goodness, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, 
you are the king of Israel. And that's a picture of how people become Christians, become disciples of Jesus, isn't it? We come in here, we have, we have questions, and we ask them. And you know what? Questions are actually welcomed. Now, you might be here tonight, and you might be here because your friend brought you here, or maybe you came to a Christmas event, and you thought, that's interesting what they said. That's interesting what my friend does on a Sunday evening. I might just go check it out. I'm not 100% sure about this Jesus thing yet, but I'm willing to just hear, him, hear them out, hear Jesus out. And if that's you, it is so good that you're here tonight because you're in good company. You're in the company of Nathaniel and many hundreds like him who've just come in, who've taken the first few steps towards God and are just asking questions. Not sure yet, but asking questions. Let me encourage you to keep coming, keep asking questions. And if after a time you sort of think this is not for me, then no problem. Feel free to just leave whenever you do or come back next year. But my hope and my prayer is that you'll be like, you'll experience what Nathaniel experienced. Come here, ask questions, have them answered and actually become a disciple of Jesus yourself, like Nathaniel, and like many people in this room right now as well. That's my hope for you in 2020. Now, we've met a whole bunch of followers of Jesus. Um, uh, We've met John the Baptist, we've met Andrew, we've met Nathaniel, and it'd be really easy just to talk about the disciples, but of course it'd be really silly to leave out the actual master himself, wouldn't it? And so it's good for us to, to have a look at what the master is actually like. And of course... Jesus himself gives us a description of what he's like. He actually goes back to Genesis 28. And he says, you know, Nathaniel, you believe me now because I told you that you're a straight shooter and also that you sat under a fig tree. You ain't seen nothing yet. Because what you're about to see as you spend time with me being my disciple is you're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's referring, of course, back to the Old Testament uh, where there's a guy, Israel, Jacob, who actually cheated his dad and he lied to his dad and cheated on his brother and he had to run. And as he ran, he just camped out and God gave him a dream. And in this dream, he had a dream where there was a ladder, some people call it Jacob's ladder, a ladder going to heaven with the angels ascending and descending. And God says to him, you know, Jacob, I know you're dodgy, but I'm going to keep my promise to you as I did with Abraham before you. I'm going to give you people I'm going to give you land. I'm going to make your family, your country, the way that I'm going to bless the whole world. I'm going to keep that promise, that covenant with you. And Jesus says, you know what? That was a shadow. The reality has arrived. Do you notice here in in this chapter, there is no reference to the ladder. The angels are ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The way to get to God is going to be through him and him alone. You see, we all know that we don't use a ladder to get to God, do we? I mean, there's no ladder tall enough for us to climb up to the heavens and then when we get there, we're going to say, oh, I finally found God. There's no ladder like that. Uh, we've all caught a plane. We've been up there. Heaven's not in the sky. It's the sky, right? We don't use a ladder to get to God. But also, the Bible tells it, makes it very clear that there's no amount of morality we can do to get to God. It's not like if we're honest and we're generous and we do all of these great things, then somehow God will say, wow, that guy's a good person. I'm going to be his friend. I'm going to let him into heaven. The Bible doesn't say that at all. And the Bible doesn't say that if you're religious, there's some sort of ladder for you to climb. You know, if you go to church often enough, if you give money to the offering, if you serve uh, supper or lead some sort of group, then you'll be good enough to reach God. The Bible doesn't say any of these things. The Bible says there is no ladder to get to God except for Jesus himself. And the only way you can actually get to God is to get on your knees and to actually say sorry to him for ignoring him for a lot of your life, to say thank you to him for dying for you, 
and also to say, please help me be a good disciple of yours for the rest of my life. Jesus is the true, the ultimate stairway to heaven. And he's the one who we need to trust in and love and listen to. Now, we've seen a few things tonight, haven't we? In 2020, as we kick off a year, will we be like, will we be the, the disciple like John the Baptist, who cares less about ourselves, our glories, our comforts, and gives everything to glorify Jesus? Will we be like Andrew in 2020 and just go and bring people to Jesus, just ooze Jesus out of us in our conversations? It doesn't have to be flash or fancy. It can be. It doesn't have to be. Just ooze out of it. Just bring our brother, bring our sister, bring our relative, bring our friend, just like Andrew. And that's a good one, isn't it? Because this is St. Andrew's after all. This is our man. So let's be like Andrew in 2020. And will we be like Nathaniel for some of us? My prayer is that you come here, ask questions. Be, be honest, just ask questions. You don't have to hide it. don't have to pretend. Just ask questions. And as you have these questions answered, will we be like Nathaniel? Learn the truth. And my prayer is that we will then say, yep, he's the guy. I'm going to follow him. He's going to be my master. I'm going to be his disciple. Jesus is the stairway to heaven, and he's the only one worth following. Amen. We have time for questions tonight. Um, Your questions are welcomed. Uh, There's a phone number up on the screen. Uh, That's going to flick off in a sec, but it'll come back on. So um, if you have your questions, you can text them to that number and I'll read them out for you. Um, While you're thinking of your question and you've got your Bibles in your hand, if you are a visitor with us tonight, we'd love to be in touch with you. You can let us know that you're here um, or give us some details and we would love to have a coffee um, and be in touch with you. You can uh, fill in that getting in touch form or if you're a regular and you have uh, uh, details you need to update, you can do it that way as well. Um, You can either put that getting in touch form in the communication box, which is... Um, on that back cabinet or you can put it in the offertory bag which will come through in our last song tonight Um, and that's a way that you can give financially to support the ministry of St Andrews and of course 10% of that goes to our mission and aid partners as well. Um, But the number will appear now for the questions and um, while you're preparing your question there's already one on the phone, Tom. Uh, These guys were all called disciples. What is a good definition of a disciple? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, A disciple is basically someone who follows Jesus, who loves him, who obeys him, who has his life changed by him. Now, these particular guys, um, Andrew and Nathaniel, were a part of the original 12 disciples, the ones that Jesus called himself most closely. He had more disciples, but these are the closest ones, and these are the ones we uh, oftentimes call apostles as well. But these guys after they spent about three years with Jesus, they were called to go and make disciples of all men, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so these guys went off and made more disciples. We made more disciples over 2,000 years. And so now we are also, if you're a Christian, a disciple of Jesus as well. So yes, the original 12, but also every Christian all through time. Yep. Um, I have a question, yes. Tom. <laughs> Just wondered if you could clarify um, with Nathaniel and it said there's no deceit in you yes. and you referred to Jacob and his lying. Yeah. Um, how, can you flesh that out a bit more? What, does, yeah, what okay. did it mean when he said that to Nathaniel? Why did he say that? Yeah, I think well, the, the key thing to see from that is that Jesus is saying, this guy, I know this guy. That's what Jesus is saying. I know this guy. He's a straight shooter. He's an honest guy. He's not sinless. But also the way he framed it um, was such that he said uh, he used the word Israel, which also reminds us of the, the guy who was Jacob, and in some really old translations, I can't remember which one exactly, I'll look it up, but um, apparently some of the old translations used to say, an Israelite uh, with no Jacob in him. So as in like referring to the deceit of Jacob. 
but it's a little clever word thing. It's not critical to the story. I just thought I'd throw it in there for free. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, but really, so I know he, I know this guy. He's a straight shooter, but he's not sinless. 